Hey, it's Arlen. This is a different kind of episode. You might have noticed if you've ever listened before that there is no intro music. There is no intro. Um, it's Everything's cool. This is not a, a sad episode at all. I just had this idea. I'm sitting at, in my podcast room in, in Los Angeles and... This is inside my um, home office. And I was in my apartment a few minutes ago with my wife, Anna. And uh, just, I was looking out the window at our view and looking around and sort of, it sort of hit me that, wow. I said out loud, how did I get here? Um, how did I get here? And she said, hard work and um, talent and um um, patience a little, that was kind of paraphrasing her. And, you know, the, the year has been pretty tough, um, for the most part, but there have been some really beautiful moments. And, and today is one of those really great moments. And so I thought, let me, um, record an episode that is just me talking. I used to do these for, Another podcast that I hosted called The Bootstrapped VC, which all of the episodes are still available if you're interested. And I used to just every once in a while just hit record on my iPhone and talk to the to the phone as I felt we're talking to you in a room. And those were like really uh, the most popular episodes, even though we pr produce the rest of them. So I thought I would do that for this because I haven't really done that. Usually I record an episode, even if it's a bonus episode, it goes through a, a great deal of um, post-production just to get the sound right and and edit a little bit for um, falters or, or stumbles or anything. This is just going to be a raw um, recording. Now, granted, it's, it's into a, a great microphone, so hopefully it sounds good. But this is a raw recording, and I'll tell you the point of it. <laughs> um, so the point of it was that this is the holiday season, and no matter where you where you live, what country you live in, what city you live in, what state, um, what your religion is or your beliefs are, um, because it is such so well known for being a, a holiday season, even if you don't celebrate the holidays. Um, this can be a very trying time for some people. It can be a very lonely experience for some people or sad or lonely. Um, I think I just said that. It, or it can just be like a blah kind of feeling, not, not necessarily depressed, but just kind of feeling blah. And um, or there's plenty of people, there are plenty of people who are feeling hopeful right now going into 2020. and. I I would encourage anyone to listen if you want to listen, but this really, this episode, which I have absolutely zero idea what I'm going to talk about right now, but this episode I wanted to be for those who get it, who get that, that feeling. Um, because although I don't feel that way right now, I feel quite optimistic and happy and almost content. I never feel fully content because I get a little scared when I do. I do... I I've, I have felt that way in the past, especially around certain holidays. And I know a lot of people can feel that way. So this is actually just like a special 
episode for you. If you, if what I've said in the last few minutes resonates with you, if you can, can recognize what I'm talking about, then you, this is for you. If it doesn't, if it feels like, I don't know what you're talking about, or I don't feel that way, then I'm going to do something I don't normally do and tell you that you probably shouldn't listen to the rest of the episode because it really isn't going to um, be that interesting. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, it's not meant to be interesting. It's meant to be kind of a companion for you, companionship for you if you're um, not feeling well. Like I remember when I was um a t- like a young teenager like 13 to 15 i was in a janet jackson fan club and i still know a lot of friends from it and in fact one of those friends sarah it works for me at backstage now i mean this has been 23 24 years and um that friendship has lasted and others have braun and amy and others um, but I was in this fan club and it, it was the kind back in the day where you would write in, you would write to pen pals and um, and you would get this, you know, stickers and pins and all sorts of things. And one of the things that they had was you could call this phone number and you call the phone number and press one or two or three or four. And when you pressed the number, there would be like a minute long message from Janet. And she would just say, hey, it's Janet. Um, just wanted to let you know that I'm having a great year and I really appreciate you. That kind of thing, you know. And I remember I would call that sometimes. I'd call it originally just to hear it. And then I would call it sometimes when I was feeling down or when I was feeling lonely or when I was feeling like I didn't have that many friends. And it really, I still remember being in, the, in my bunk bed. I had a red bunk bed. And... uh I would I would um, sit on that and 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 dial that number every once in a while and listen to her and it really um, made me feel better and I've also been all around the place uh, the past couple of years and especially the last six or so months with this podcast p- people everywhere I go no matter what city country I'm in. There's someone or few, uh, several people who will say that they listen to this podcast and they'll quote me from it. And um, it's like one of those things that's really deeply resonating in a way that tweets and Instagram posts and emails and even like magazines or, or things of that nature can't, aren't and can't be. I think the only thing that might rival it is when my book is released because the book the book itself will be like this thing that you can reference if you get a physical copy or if you listen to it uh, uh, audibly. Um, so I know that there are some people who who um, listen to almost every episode or um, who, um, yeah, who, who, who would be getting something from this. And again, I'm not going to edit it. So I'm going to probably stumble a little bit. Uh, And I'm actually responding to a text message right now. So just give me a moment, just because this is happening in real time. And this is kind of an important one. Uh, uh 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm telling you, it's real. Um, so, yeah, I think there are going to be some people who are listening. What I said to Anna before I came in here, because I just, I told her I'm going to come in here. And I just said, I'm going to, I'll be gone for like an hour. Bye. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Um, she gave me a hug and she said, I'll see you soon. What I told her is that if 10 people feel a little bit less alone, maybe you don't feel lonely, but a little less alone in the world today, as you listen to this somewhere in the world, then I have completely um, accomplished my goal and with this podcast and it is absolutely worth every minute of, of my time. So, which, uh, is time, time is money. And we talked about time. I'm just trying to think about what would be interesting to talk about. Like I'm, again, if you're, if you're trying to listen to this for anything that will help you with your business or help you, uh, succeed in 2020 and all that, I don't think this is the one for you. So you might just want to hit the, the, the stop button, but this is more like if I called you up and we just start hanging out on the phone. And so, um, it's a little bit like ASMR, but not at all. <laughs> okay. Let's see. So I'm going to, I'm going to be on, I'm going to, I'm on Twitter. It's Monday. It's the day before Christmas Eve. It's like right right before noon. I've ordered um, food from DoorDash and it'll be here soon. I'll, I'll go and eat it soon. And I'm re- what I'm reading right now on Twitter is I posted um, I posted a post uh, about an hour ago, hour or two ago where I gave a shout out to Mark Cuban the owner of the Mavs, the billionaire investor who's on Star, Star uh, Shark Tank. I don't know if there's anybody in the U.S. at least who doesn't know Mark Cuban, but maybe outside of the U.S. he's he's not as well known. But he um, he lives in Dallas, and I'm from Dallas, and we met. So I'll tell you what the tweet was, and then I'll tell you how we met. So the tweet says, thank you, Mark Cuban. This year, after learning that I was having trouble raising more funding, he quietly offered me a million dollars to invest how I see fit. He also met with Backstage Capital founders, remembered my mother's name, and did a video drop for my brother's Dallas media company. And then he replied to that and said um, that I earned I earned that and that my family is fun and et cetera. So there's been a lot of play on that on that tweet and one right before it with Kaylani because I was talking to Kaylani again. Kaylani is a singer. A performer. She's also the f- co-founder of a company called Flora, uh, Flora Living. And um, backstage, my fund has invested in her company like three years ago, I think now. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah, I think it was three years ago, I'm pretty sure. And um, she has like a top five song right now. And she was saying like, this is crazy. And I was like... It's a lot of hard work come to come to come to fruition. It's manifesting itself because um, I'll tell you this quick story and then and then I'll go back to Cuban. So I have a hairdresser uh, in Los Angeles and I found her. She's at Kim Kimball's salon. And I found her because I used to live right across the street from from that salon in West Hollywood. So I lived there for two years and then I moved and I kept her 
because, and I'm not saying her name just because I don't know if she'd want me to, but I kept her because, um, because she was great. And I remember when I was in her chair once, uh, Kailani's music came on uh, at the salon. And I said, hey, do you know that person? And she's like, oh, yeah, I know Kailani. And I just was so excited because we had just invested in her. So I told her. And she said that years before that, so that would have been 2017 or 18 that that conversation was happening. She said that years before that, just a few because Kailani is probably early 20s at this point. But when Kaylani was a was a teenager, um, this hairdresser who also does Mary J. Blige's hair, does a lot of people's hair, has done Beyonce's uh, in the past, has done uh, part of her team, you know, because there's several that are needed. Um, she was called in by by a producer to help style groom uh, a couple of up and coming artists on that producer's label. And Kehlani was one of them. And the other was like more, more, um, had more heat behind them. They were doing better as far as like people, like labels looking at them or getting more plays or however you measure that. I just remember that my hairdresser said that the other group was who they were focusing on the most. And Kehlani was being focused on, but it was going to be like a slow burn basically. So, what she noticed about Kehlani, though, is that Kehlani, she found out that Kehlani, it took her like two buses to get to the studio every day. And so she took these two buses and that when she got there, she was always on time. She was always courteous to everyone. She was always ready, prepared for what job work she had to do that day. And it really caught the attention of this hairdresser because she was like, this is someone who is doing it right. And that kind of uh, craftsmanship and that kind of attention and and dedication usually pays off, as we all as we all know. So today, Kehlani, I've seen her perform. She broke all kinds of records at Pride a couple of years ago, uh, where they had like they couldn't let people in after a while because it was so packed for her. She broke the record for how many people would come see her at LA Pride, which was tens of thousands of people. It was incredible. And so I've seen her, I, I was standing on the stage when that happened and it was just amazing. And uh, I've seen her at different um, places and people, they don't just come to see her. They, they live and breathe with her. It is a very loyal fan base. But apparently, I think based on just like the momentum, I think this is going to be, 2020 is going to be Kehlani's year. I really do. And I thought the past three years haven't been her years, but this one's going to be it because it's funny because I see her talking to people like Cardi B. She was featured on a Cardi B song called Ring on the latest album, um, which is one of my favorites from that album. So she's featured and everything, but you see her talking to Cardi B and it was like she knew Cardi back in the day and was friendly with her and helpful to her back in the day. And then Cardi blew up. And then the same thing I'm seeing is happening with Lizzo. Lizzo is saying, hey, you were there for me back in the day. And now Lizzo is blowing up in 2000. So 2018 was Cardi's year. 2019 was Lizzo's year. I'm going to go ahead and say 2020 is going to about to be Kehlani's year. And it's just really exciting to see and fun to see. Um, so going back to Cuban. So March of 2019 this year, I... Um, 
I met Mark Cuban at South by Southwest, which is a major festival in Austin. Um, it's a all kinds of fe- it's a music festival. It's a film festival. It's an interactive festival, which is like tech and innovation. It's education festival. It's just one of the largest in the world. And um, it it was uh, I was speaking a few times this year there, and one of them was at Twitter House, which was. Uh, a bar, big bar that Twitter took over and had different interviews. And so this one was Mark Cuban and I interviewing each other because it was Twitter house. They were looking for people who use Twitter in an interesting way. And they said that the two of us are outspoken and authentic and we probably get along and, and kind of feed off of each other's energy. And they were right. Um, I, I definitely um, had a great time. And it was funny because when we went out, when we walked out, Everybody was chanting Mark's name, Mark, 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 you know, and I was like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's me. No one knows me here. And then by the time we left, people were like high-fiving me as I left and saying my name as I walked out. It was really funny. Um, but I, what I noticed then was that Mark was super cool. Here's, what, here's the funniest thing about this whole time with Mark that, that day. So Mark is a billionaire. He's from Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. I've known about Mark Cuban my almost my whole life because of Shark Tank and but before Shark Tank, just because he was this Dallas billionaire. And um, he has a lot of street cred, you know, so my brother likes him. And so it's just like that thing. So I'm expecting Mark Cuban to have to roll deep, to have an entourage, to have an assistant at the very, very least, but certainly to have security with him. And unless these people were stealth and they were like hidden on purpose because of uh, whatever reason, they did not exist. And they probably, now that I think about it, he probably does have security that is, that is not uh, seen because that would be the smarter way to do it. But anyway, the point of it was like behind the scenes and backstage, he had nobody with him. He wasn't being fussed over and he wasn't making a fuss. And I came in with my mom, my brother, because my mom was visiting. My brother was filming um, professionally for me. Um, my ha- makeup person who also was doing grooming. And um, uh, and then, uh, and I had security. I had security at this place because... I had a stalker at the time. It's a whole thing I don't want to really get into because I don't like to talk about that. But at this particular time, I had security. So I had like five, five, four or five people with me and Mark Cuban had zero. And so it was, it was really funny it, to me. It was very, it's one of those things that um, I find great humor in the absurdity of things. And that was it. So um, we go out, we we have a gr- really good time, really good conversation and and that was that. He talked to my mom a little bit and was really friendly. And we got a picture of my brother who was just so stoked about that because he had been paying attention to the Mavericks for half his life. And that was that. And then a couple of things happened where it, um, it was kind of, I had to, I, we had a couple of like investors back out of something this year. And that's like putting it mildly, but I don't want to get back into it. And he found out and, you know, there was a lot of money that was lost, but he got in touch with me because, you know, oh, let me just back up a little bit. Like 
right after that, I sent him a message on Twitter, like a DM. And I was like, hey, Mark, do you want to invest in Backstage? And he is like, no, I don't like to invest in funds because I like to I have too much fun investing directly into companies. So that's not really my thing. I don't invest in other people's funds if I can help it. I was like, oh, okay. You know, that's fair. I get that a lot. That to me is completely legitimate because people have different structures and and the way that like models of how they spend their money. And I do too. So um, that wasn't his jam and I could understand it. And so I was like, okay, cool. And then I just kind of moved on. And then this sort of thing happened with the money not coming through and people writing about it. And it, it was like all these people were kind of coming down on me at once. And I felt pretty bad. And all of a sudden, Mark reaches out just on his own. He, I think he sent me he, he, he sent me a DM on Twitter. And he's like, hey. Uh, and he didn't ask anything. He didn't like challenge me. He didn't say, why didn't you make this work? He just said, hey, um, why don't you invest a million of my dollars? And... Um, establish even more of a track record with it and and that'll be that and i'm telling you like we basically lost like 30 million dollars <laughs> um but so the one million wasn't that but let me tell you it's just like the first time that susan kimberlin an angel investor gave me twenty five thousand dollars september 2015 when i had been hearing no from everybody for three years about the fund $25,000. I've raised 11, 12 million since then, but I'll never ever forget the 25 and there will be, nothing will be as valuable as that 25 when it comes to this fund. So for him to reach out, knowing that he does not enjoy investing in other people's funds, the way he hacked that was that it's a co it's a partnership. Um, it's his money. I invest it, but it's, it's not like a, a pooled fund like the rest of them are. So it's under, it's under my name. It's called Arlen Was Here Investments uh, Fund One. I plan on having several more in different ways, and I invested in twelve companies from it this year. Uh, four or five of them I had already invested in, and we just went back. And we half, the other half we just um, or the other two thirds we just invested in new companies, and I know that it's going to have a return. So I know I'll be able to literally pay him back. But um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to pay him back for that, the generosity of spirit, that collaboration, that what I've said to him, and I, he won't let me kind of, he won't just let me um, say it. He kind of, it's not like he has this humility, because we all know Cuban doesn't have a lot of humility, but it's more like, I won't even let you do that. But basically, he took me seriously. There are very, so there are a lot of people, um, like, I put this tweet out a few days ago and I said, I'm going to paraphrase it. I think I said, like, beware the people who would um, have you like let you let you take hits, take the hits, but don't trust you enough to be quarterback. And for me, that's what I'm thinking when I think Cuban, like Cuban, he wants me to be in the trenches, which I already have been for years he had to learn that a little bit. He's like, oh, okay. I didn't realize you had been doing all this. He wants me to be in the trenches, which I have been, thankfully. He wants me to to take the hits and 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 kind of like, you know, earn my keep and all of that, which is cool, whatever. It's like a Miyagi thing. But he also, ha he has proven this already to me behind the scenes. He also values my opinion. 
He values my value, (laughs) if that makes sense. He doesn't look at it like he's this white knight coming in to save the day. He's like, make me some money, make me some additional money. And to me, that is, um, that is worth more than any amount of money. Is that, is that taking you seriously part? So I kind of measure relationships that way these days. I I measure them in, are you going to, am I just here to take your hits, take the hits for you? It is, is, or, or can I, can I make some decisions? And the reason I tweeted that, by the way, I'll switch gears and tell you why I tweeted that. Cause that one resonated with people too. And I think people found their own meanings in it, um, which was great. That's what I wanted. But the meaning that I took it from was there are f- people who, uh, I'm not going to get too specific because there's, I, I want to keep this pretty light, but there are people who will take pictures with um, certain people for the clout, but I know that they wouldn't take them seriously business-wise. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I don't know. I, th- I don't know if it can make sense without me going deeper and I don't want to delve deeper into it. So that's what it is. Like, don't, don't pat me on the back online. Don't give me a shout out online so that everybody can see it. But then when I, you know, behind the scenes say, Hey, can you look at this deal with me there? You don't, don't say like, Oh, well, you know, I don't, that's not, that's not going to work because I don't trust you to be on my level in your actions for saying that. That's not going to work for me. So that's happened, of course. All right, I'll move on to a different topic before I get get myself too much in the weeds with it. But uh, so that's what I was doing. So I was looking at, let me see where the food is. So it's exactly noon now. Let's see where that food is. I'll tell you what, DoorDash, I, I use DoorDash quite a bit. Uh, oh, look, the food arrived. I, I use it quite a bit because um, I'm always traveling and uh, it's better than hotel food. And I use it at home because since I'm always traveling, I get home and the last thing I want to do is cook. And I definitely need to like, I definitely need to like figure out a little bit better solution, but I use it. So you know how Spotify had the end of year, like, you know, uh, or end of decade. I think this is, this is the, this is your top five listens and everything. Well, um, DoorDash, if you are a DoorDash uh, user, you probably got that email that says, this is how much you, let me tell you what it was called though. And I felt so attacked. It said, this is how much you ate this year. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) I was like, wow, that is, uh, thanks DoorDash. Come at me, come at me. Why don't you? And then it, and I opened up the, the number and, um, yeah, I, I think they were trying to make you happy and trying to get you to press something so you could order more. But when you send and you kind of show people how much they consumed in a year, I don't know if it has the effect you're trying, uh, that you're going for. The effect it had on me was I took a break for a couple of days. I'm like, eh, eh, I don't even want to look at the app. I don't even want to guess what's over there, you know? Um, so it's funny that just the kind of, psychological stuff that that does but let's look so now I'm going to go to Instagram if you're still listening I'm glad you are and I'm happy to to be hanging out with you 
All right. Yeah. So Instagram, I have a couple, couple new messages. I get like, um, so I get a few, th- like I get, I don't know how many anymore. I used to count, like I used to know, just have an understanding of it, but I get like th- a few thousand messages a per week across email, DMs on social, LinkedIn, uh, Slack. Now, Slack is different because you, you can't really count it the same, but like the ones that need attention, you know, so combined, I get just so many of them. Um, but I, I pay attention to them pretty much and I got, I try to reply when I can and when, when I can't, or when it feels like I shouldn't, I don't, these are things that you learn at 39 and 38, 38. You don't, you don't learn them earlier. I don't think because I did not, I did not understand boundaries of time before very recently. So don't feel bad if you're not great at it yet. And if you are great at it, good for you and, and spread it around. Share that with someone. So let's see. The last thing on Instagram. So Arlen was here on Instagram and Twitter. If you're not following and you'd like to, I am on both. So it looks like, okay, so the last thing I posted a couple of hours ago, again, was that just a screenshot of the Mark Cuban tweet. And that has uh, a lot of a lot of buzz around it. Um, and then the one before that was yesterday. I did diversity stats. I'd probably post on Twitter. I can post up to like 20 times a day, anywhere from two times a day to 20, I think. On Instagram, I post zero to two times per day. I don't usually do more than two unless it's just outrageous stuff going on because I, I, it's like a strategically, it's not that I strategically put up anything, but I strategically look at how like the, the pace of Instagram because I don't. I don't want to just post anything. That's what the Instagram stories are for. That's what I post a lot of. So I'm talking about the timeline when that zero to two on the, on the stories I'll post, I'll post multiple times or I'll go a few days without posting. Uh, I don't have a huge game plan there. I probably will in 2020. I'll probably get a little bit better at that, but what has served me well so far in life uh, has just been to be true to myself, be authentic Post when I feel like posting, post what I feel like posting, delete what I want to delete when I want to block, when I want to mute conversations, when I want to mute people, when I want to. All of those things have really served me well, especially in the last couple of years. Like when I started muting conversations on Twitter and muting people, you know, I'll block a person real easy, real fast, because that's that's self-care. Blocking is self-care. Quote me, please. But muting is a little tough because you like sometimes blocking people. You don't want to block them because you're like, they didn't do anything wrong. They're just it's just not helpful to me to have them have their noise in my in my life. And I could be that to someone else, which I would understand. So I love the mute feature because the mute feature is just like, I don't need to hear about what you're doing or what your opinions are um, if it's if it's a negative to me. And I have a lot of people, I keep a lot of people who have dissenting opinions, who have opposite opinions of mine. Uh, I keep them on because I don't ever want to be in a bubble too much. But I do want to be protected. I think a bubble and a cocoon are two different things. I don't want to be in a bubble where I'm only hearing the same things that I think. People are preaching to the choir. People hate Trump and and that's it. And there's no there's no nuance to it, no color to it. I don't want that. 
but I want to be in a cocoon where I don't, where I feel comforted, where I feel like um, I'm not constantly being thrown the, the this visceral that is thrown about in social. And uh, I've I've had it, you know, the more um, the more followers you have, or the more posts that have over a thousand likes or whatever the more you get this incredible, disgusting vitriol that comes out from people, from bots, from actual people, from where, from people, some people, you know, all of that. And, um, I, I protect myself from that at all costs. And I encourage others to do that too. Um, yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on things so that I don't ever get too disconnected where I can't feel. I can't feel for someone else or I can't relate to someone else. Uh, I feel pretty confident that that won't happen, at least for a few years. Give me a few years and I may just become just unreasonably uh, obnoxious, but still got a few years. And speaking of um, 2020, speaking of being unreasonably, unreasonably obnoxious in 2020, you're going to see a lot more of me now. If you think you see too much of me today, which I imagine if you've listened this far, you probably aren't one of those people who who like likes to tell me that I'm everywhere and too too many places. But if you think you see me too much today, uh, hold on to your hats, folks, because 2020 is when my book comes out. And man, you you can't uh, you can't get away from marketing for a book. And I don't want to. I'm so excited about it. I have a book. I finished a book, co-wrote it. I don't know if it's co-writing. Like it's, um, let's see what we call it. So uh, it's my book with with a ton of help from Rachel Nelson, who gets a uh, credit on it, as she should. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be out there. It's going to be out there. I can't wait. This is what I'm looking forward to because I've had this experience before and I know how cool it is. I cannot wait to see it pop up at an airport where I'm traveling and it's at the airport. So the way that that happens is that it can be at the airport in general, but usually it's because it's selling well other places. So that is one of the reasons a pre-order is so important. Um, And I encourage people to order it early just because then more airports will ask for it and um, it'll be seen by strangers because I'm excited. I'm equally excited to show it to people who have f- been following me, who know me, even my family and friends. I'm, I can't wait to see what their opinions of the book will be. And everyone, the thousands of people who have been following this journey for the past few years, including you right now, I cannot wait for you to tell me what you think and and most importantly get something out of it that you can use in your life that helps you so I can't wait to hear those stories of how the book helps you do something that's like the ultimate and at the same time I can't wait to meet new people because of the book so if you're walking in the airport and you see this cover and it's like it's about damn time what is that about and you pick it up and you read it or you see me on some sort of um interview or something and or at a at a at a speaking event at a conference and you never heard of me but I speak for a few minutes and you are interested 
all of those things bringing you to the book, I can't wait for because that's going to be, I think that'll be um, super trippy. And so many of my friends or my, and my acquaintances recently have released books or have had books out before, been giving me great advice and um, preparing me as much as possible. But I don't think you get prepared for this. And we'll see what happens to this little book. We'll see what happens. I can't wait. I can't wait. And honestly, just like this episode, if it, if it, tr- and I know this is so trite, but it's not meant to be. If it truly helps just a few people, if it truly helps you, helps you start a company, helps you feel like you can ask for promotion, helps you feel like you, you can um, uh, become the CEO of, of your destiny, basically, um, then I'm just going to be elated. So I can't wait to meet people and have those conversations and that's just a little bit about how I'm thinking in those terms yeah so it's Monday it is uh, tomorrow is Christmas and I think we're going to release this today I think um, I'm just going to upload it and release it which is not normally what I do because I yeah we'll see I don't I've been rambling so I have no idea if it's good or not (laughs) but I'll upload it today which is Monday right before uh, Christmas Eve. And then I was supposed to go to the beach with my wife this week, but it started raining and it's supposed to rain a few days this week. So we decided not to go. So I'll be at home and I'll be watching more Monk. Yesterday I watched four episodes of Monk. The day before that I watched like five episodes of Monk. They're all been like saved on my DVR because it like airs every Thursday or something like that, uh, Sunday or something, a few of them. So today I'm going to watch more Monk. I plan on watching at least two episodes of Monk today, which probably means five. I love that show. Uh, I grew up with my mom watching Murder, She Wrote and Perry Mason. She grew up, I grew up with my mom watching mur- like murder mysteries and Westerns and, and soap operas. So today, what do I love? Uh, mysteries like Monk. Old school stuff like Perry Mason, I'll still watch that at night every once in a while. I love Westerns, love it, and Andy Griffin. I love The Rifleman is my favorite Western because it's amazing. And I heard Chuck Connors was really cool when he was alive. Um, And it's just a great, great uh, show. And um, I think he was reincarnated as the lead guitarist on the SNL band Saturday Night Live band for like the 90s and 2000s. It's a whole different story. If you feel like, hey, go search for that person who played guitar at breaks from like 90 to 2005 or something. I don't even know the dates, but he looked just like Chuck Connors Connors from The Rifleman. Anyway, I love that. And I love uh, Bonanza and um, uh, all kinds of stuff. And then I love, of course, General Hospital. I used to watch One Life to Live when it was on. And because it came on right before General Hospital, but General Hospital is it. It is it. And um, yeah. So anyway, I'm going to watch a bunch of TV. Uh, I'm going to eat my food that's already here. So I'm going to go. And then check this out. And do not send any spoilers once you hear this. I am going, I cannot wait for this. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I am going to show... My wife, Anna, we got married in August 
we've known each other for five, more than five years. We've been dating for more than four years. And I often uh, introduce her to new movies because she's not a big movie person. She's a TV person. I am going to show Anna uh, Notting Hill for the first time that she's seeing it. Notting Hill is probably going to be Christmas Eve and Love Actually on Christmas Day for the first time. Getting to watch those two movies with someone who's never seen them before. What more could you ask for? I can't wait. I can't wait. So we're going to watch that. Um, We're both being really creative this week. This weekend we were really creative and just we're not working. I mean, I'm not working. I'm not at work. I'm on vacation. And I get to read a lot and write and plan and watch a bunch of TV and think through strategies. And it's just so fun. And she's working on all sorts of stuff. She doesn't work yet, but she's doing like all this creative stuff. So she has like a little lab in a separate room and she has like uh, recording equipment and she can make all these, um, she's making all this music and composing all this um, instrumental music. It's gorgeous. Amazing. I think she's going to be like very successful at that and uh, she will be. <laughs> and she's also just working on all kinds of really interesting projects. So I'm going to go back to that world. And uh, I gave you about 40 minutes. I hope it was helpful to 10. That's all I'm looking for is 10 of you. I know that thousands uh, listen to the podcast, but if just 10 of you found yourself a little bit less alone, during this season and you normally feel that way please uh let me know but don't you don't even have to let me know I, I don't need to know I just really want that for you and just know that um again as corny as it may be you really are not alone I have been I'm 39 years old and I've attempted um I'm sorry trigger trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning you might want to skip over this for anything but I have in the past attempted suicide um, in my as a teenager, again in my late 20s. And I'm so, 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 so glad that both times it didn't happen. I have been broke for most of my life. I've had no money. I've been sleeping on couches not sleeping, staying overnight for days at a time, just on the streets, but not living on the streets, but like walking the streets, basically. I have slept at the airport as many, many, many times that's been said. It's true. I've slept there for days and days and days and days and days and didn't have any food and was so worried and so depressed and literally face to the floor crying, wondering when it was going to be over. And I'm here right now. I am living in a building that I only could have dreamed of just a few years ago. I have a view of Los Angeles that I've I've craved for most of my life ever since seeing it on television. I have, uh, I raised and earned more than $5 million this year alone for my company, not for myself, but for my company. Um, and I've raised more than $10 million in the last four years. 
five years ago, five years ago, I was sleeping at the airport. A little less than, a little more, like a little more than five years ago, a little less than five years ago, sorry. A little less than five years ago, I was sleeping at the airport. So four and a half years ago, sleeping at the airport. Again, please don't try to sleep at the airport to impress me. I have to do that little thing because you know how I mentioned earlier, there's like a stalker. They did that. I didn't like it. Please don't do that. But going back to my point, I I don't ever, ever want to be back there again. But I, I survived it. And you can survive what you're going through, I think. I don't know what you're going through. And a lot of it's going to be so much worse than what I've just described. But some of it's going to be better. Some of it's going to be for less odds against you. And if I can get there, I know you can. I just held on to hope. I continued to work on what I knew I could have control of. And there were people around me who came into my life just at the right time. And I know they can do that for you. It took 35 years for me to really feel like I was doing something in the world. And then I wasn't lost and spinning out of control and not really knowing myself, knowing my value at all. 35 years. And today I feel all those things. I feel like I have control. Knock wood. I feel like um, the only thing I can't control is health and I can't, uh, other people's health or like things that I can control how I eat and exercise, but I can't control things that, like, like that. But to go from so much adversity and I just scratched the surface, really. I scratched the surface with that explanation. To come to here where I can control my day. I can control who I talk to, who I give time to. I can control... Um, I was playing Black Santa earlier <laughs> this week. I went online and I gave away a bunch of uh, gifts to help people do different things. Strangers. That's so much fun. I think you can get there too. And hey, if you're someone who has money and that part is not the problem, that part's not tough for you, you get to feel down too. You're allowed to feel bad too. I, know, I meet so many people who feel bad for feeling bad when they have money. They're not supposed to feel down because they have enough. They can eat every day. They're not homeless. They're not this. They're not that. You're a human. You're a person. You're allowed to feel bad sometimes. It's okay. As Jesse J says, it's okay not to be okay. Go listen to that song right now. <laughs> We're all allowed. We're allowed to brag. We're allowed to feel proud. We're allowed to feel shame. We're allowed to feel guilty and guilt. We're allowed to feel sad, down, depressed, hurt, disappointed, content, happy, elated, optimistic. All of us. All of us are. So I uh, wish you well. And um, go listen to some music that you like. Go watch some TV that you like. Go talk to someone. Give someone a call. If you happen to listen to this and you weren't in a bad mood, um, you just like my, my voice, <laughs> call somebody up. Call a friend up. Call a family member up. Even if they aren't always seeming, <clears throat> seems like they're good. Call them up this, this week. 
call them up. All right. I'll see y'all. I hope you're doing well. Uh, and I should say, very last thing I should say is um, uh, this should never, ever, ever take the place of professional help. If you're feeling really, really down and you can't get out of it, please call one of the hotlines uh, to talk to someone about it or go online to look for uh, a place where you can call. <clears throat> um, actually, what I'm going to do right now, I know I keep saying bye, but I don't mean it. <laughs> I'm going to do this right now. Give me one moment, please. If you're feeling um, like you're really, really down and you don't know how to go on, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day. Um, and uh, I know that... Uh, there's another one I wanted to show you. Give me a second. There's one called the Trevor Project. They're for LGBTQ people with suicidal thoughts, um, especially youth. And it, it, it can be any age, though. That's 1-866-488-7386. 1-866-488-7386. If... Uh, you you need help please get it because we need you i need you i need you around i need you to to tell me if i'm dressed right like you can't have me going out looking crazy can't me going out looking crazy you know how my hair gets <laughs> you gotta be around you gotta be around for this the next few months the next few years are gonna be amazing and i really want you there with me so i'll see everybody on the flip side